the Brooklyn Nets have the night off, but that doesn't mean that they can't make some headway in the playoff push as we'll look around the league, talk about the implications of Charlotte, of Atlanta, of Cleveland, who are on the court tonight, and break down why maybe none of that matters if you take a look over at the betting odds these days coming up right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. It's the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I'm Adam Armit covering the New York Football Giants on the One Giant podcast with my boy Andy Mack over there, though is the sultry sounds of Doug Norrie, owner-operator DFSR. For all your daily fantasy sports rankings, DraftKings, FanDuel, he's got you covered. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day free on all those great platforms. And let you know today's episode is also brought to you by NBA Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the future of being an NBA fan. Own officially licensed rare NFTs of the greatest moments from NBA history. Sign up today at LockedOnNBATopShot.com. Doug... As we will get into what's going on around the Eastern Conference and the implications it can have on Brooklyn, the maybe starting off point, though, I think more critically, is how, as I said at the top, maybe it doesn't matter what these other teams do because Vegas tells us a totally different story here, man. Well, hopefully it doesn't matter. I mean, look at you can see this in the video. Look at the gray in this beard. This is from this season. Like this is from this, yeah. Th- there's nothing like uh, full head of hair and not an ounce of gray <laughs> when this season if you started. See me back in I September. I mean, a body like an Adonis, <laughs> hair flowing, hair flowing everywhere. Beard Three is inches taller. Beard is brown as the day is long, and now it's just all gone to pot. I mean, God no. <laughs> I mean, like I, I got in into you know flew in the other night, um, just away for the week, and then got in just in time to, to watch the last five minutes of the Nets game. Went back and watched it again today, and then just did a quick odds roundup on where the you know where things stood after they fell to the ninth seed uh, behind Charlotte and no longer own the tiebreaker, which I thought was you know that's pretty important because you know that they're going to need a few other things to switch their way uh we're gonna you know like you said but we're gonna update where everyone is here in the eastern conference standings in a moment but you know it's 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 shocking to me still that if you go to our friends at betonline.net where you where you see the uh nba championship odds right now and the nets are still the second overall favor behind the suns like i can't as well they should be and you know it's funny you you and i talked a little bit about this pre-show where i mean i lived like basically my entire life in odds and, and betting lines over the last you know seven years or something like that between player projections minutes odds you know everything and i tend to Really, actually, and especially in coin flip situations, default to whatever the odds are, right? I think that's just a good way to live your life, like you know Vegas and you know the you know ubiquitous term for Vegas, which is just betting markets, um, are usually are going to get this stuff right. That's why they're all still in business, and and we get it right, and because it's really 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 smart analytically. And so I think in 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 when you're unsure of how to feel, those are actually a good litmus test to go and say to yourself, hey, this is actually how I should feel because this is like a lot of really good analytical people with a lot of money on the line have worked this out. And yet I can't, I have this like weird uncanny valley thing with this. I cannot fathom for my life how they're the second overall favorite right now behind the Suns as the ninth seed with just a couple, a few games to go. Like 
it doesn't it seem nuts? And I, look, and this is me saying I default to this stuff all the time. And right here, I cannot, I cannot get over the hump with this. <laughs> well, by the way, because and it's it's even harder to do it after coming off a game where they lost to the Charlotte Hornets, a game that you actually have to win. Because there is there are times when I go. We talked about the playing game. If you fall to the ninth, see where you are now, the tenth, and then you have to win multiple games to get there. Even the two two for one opportunity to officially lock into the seventh or eighth seed. Okay, great. But on paper. Maybe if I, well, first of all, I just go, oh, mine's at ease. This is why I said the Nets are going to be fine. But also <laughs> on paper, you look at it and go, are any of these teams at the back end of the Eastern Conference really that much of a concern? So is, you know, what the, what Bet Online is telling us and what the Vegas numbers are telling you is like, yeah, those teams, the odds of those teams upsetting Brooklyn in a, in a, in a win or go home scenario are so slim that we're almost looking past that. Now, you and I following the team every single day and tracking every up and down of their season probably can look inside of those and point to several examples throughout the year and go, well, the Nets have lost to teams that you might not think they have any business losing to, including Sunday, when you go, that's one that you should walk in and absolutely make a statement just like you did the night before against Miami, and you don't. And it only takes one game like that to completely throw this thing off the rails. So I'm surprised by it, and maybe... Maybe in the end it comes out in the wash that Vegas doesn't want to move too far off that number for fear of what could come when the Brooklyn Nets surge into the playoffs as an eighth seed. It's really just that, right? It's just the range of outcomes is so wide that it's like – I'm not putting. I'm, I'm of course saying that they're better than any of these teams out at the bottom. The Hornets result the other night aside, I like. I, there's no. Yeah. There's no world where they're just over a seven game series not better than than these other teams. I that that goes. I think that goes without saying. It's just that the. Sure. It's just that the. It's just that the range of outcomes is so high on them not even kind of making it because. Again, these aren't seven-game series that they have to get through the playing games. These are one-and-done, like, NCAA tournament-style things. And at yep. that point, you can just lose games. I, like, we've seen this too many times. It just, they yes, they would be the favorite in each game, um, for sh- almost for sure. But just doing getting them out of that scenario where they, right now, as a ninth seed, could have to play two of these games just to get into the, then get into the grind of an NBA seven-game series playoffs. Yep. Like, that's the part where... I can't believe one of these other teams, like specifically Milwaukee to me, has not vaulted, has not, has sort of not vaulted over them. Every team in the East, that was, every team in the East has that their was going to be my question. Yeah. Yeah, that was giving me my question was about how much also is it predicated on, we, we know the Nets make the trade and Harden goes to Philly, but now he stumbled a little bit and they haven't exactly planted their flag as being one of the top teams. Boston has certainly surged as the year has gone on. Miami, we just beat them on, you know, Nets beat them on Saturday night. So is it also as much a product of, well, has anybody else in the East really said we're the team? And I think Milwaukee should be that team, obviously having won the chip, but maybe that's what what keeps the numbers relative. I think right? that is it because there are flaws with all these other teams. Like, look, they just smoked. Miami at home the other night, so it's not like they can't beat this team pretty resoundingly. I we we all get that. I think Milwaukee. I, I would put Milwaukee probably above them right now, just on like ease of <laughs> ease of getting into the playoffs. Plus, we just know yeah. they basically just did it um, with essentially this core group minus PJ Tucker, right? So like it's it's like that. And then all these other teams sort of do have problems, right? Like um, you know, we is is Philly a complete enough team to be able to do it? I, I mean, they're probably pretty close, but there's there's it's it's unclear. And then as you get down a little further some of these teams have really been hit with injuries like you know, Evan Mobley just got hurt for and, and they're already without Jared Allen for the Cavs and then there's just other problems with some of these other teams like I don't think anyone thinks the Bulls are contenders right the Celtics just lost Robert Williams maybe for the whole year yeah. like so they, they there's there's definite issues around some of these other teams and that probably as much as anything speaks to it 
it, it speaks to why it's even in the conversation, right? Like, like it's it, it, if any one of these other teams was running away with it, like a la the Suns or even like even like honestly, even the Memphis Grizzlies, if they were in the Eastern Conference or something like that, I think it would be hard. You'd be hard pressed to put the Nets ahead of any of these teams, but. And that's just not that's just simply not the case right now. So it, it probably yeah, it'd, be, it'd be a tragedy if they were out in the Western Conference, right? Of, oh, well, it's funny because the West, well, it's funny about that because the Western Conference at the bottom is is way worse than the East. Like they like this is a you know the right now the the, the Spurs might just back into the playing game at thirty and forty four because the Lakers stink so bad, right? Like there's there's teams that are in the playing game in the in the West right now that are three of the four teams in the playing game in the West are below five hundred. So like. Yeah, I guess so in, in the West yeah. they would just be they'd be kind of locked in. So, but it, but it's, but it's, they're they're better at the top though. I think I think. Oh, that's what yeah. I was gonna say was like those top teams is where you'd say, but you would see other other teams starting to push them down in the odds because whether I mean, listen, Memphis at the top there, Phoenix obviously in the one seed. I guess though, even in that scenario, if we're just kind of taking a, a broad stroke around the NBA, it's like Golden State has questions despite being the three seed. Yeah. They're trying to figure out if they're going to be fully ready to go when it comes to the playoff push too. So maybe it's just kind of the theme, and Brooklyn is somewhat luck luck potting into getting healthy, getting Kyrie back full time at the right moment here as they head towards. And it's just more really, again, it's not, it's, it's my being flabbergasted is not around the talent on the nets. It actually has very little to do with that. It's that because I think talent wise, we've seen that a lot of these teams are just are flawed and the nets have arguably the best player in in a playoff series when he's on in Durant. So I get why, I, I get why the odds are sort are, are on the higher side. It's more just that like they have so much more to overcome than any other team, <laughs> yeah. than any other team that's even in this range. It's more about what they have to overcome right. that I that I that is I'm having trouble still reconciling why it is that they're there. But like you said at the top, if we are going to try, if I'm if I'm going to live my life trusting these odds, because again, more times than not, you will be correct based on a probabilistic you know sort of standard, then. Maybe I shouldn't have well, bail now. I shouldn't have had. Yeah, I shouldn't have had my. Maybe my hair needn't as gray as, at the at the rapid pace that it did. That's how you tie an entire segment together. Okay, we have uh, tons more to talk about and sort of how some of this eastern landscape is shaping up. We definitely have learned some stuff over the course of this evening um, that is going to you know shine a little more light about where the Nets stand and what is going to look like for them going into the rest of the week. At the top, Adam definitely mentioned NBA Top Shot. Look, NBA Top Shot, you have to get into this, folks. It is the next wave of just getting into the NBA, right? We've had the playing card craze for forever. Now you have actually had the chance to own moments from NBA history in the first officially licensed NFT of the NBA. It's got the community to back it up. It's the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. Part trading card, part stock market, part fantasy sports. It's got a built-in loyalty program. It's really just from basically from the ground up. They came out of the box and just hit an absolute home run with NBA Top Shot. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, like why would I get these clips that you could just watch on YouTube? Why would I want to buy something that is just out there for free? It's because you're getting an ownership in these moments that you can track over the lifetime. And once they're gone, they're gone. I mean, this is a once in a lifetime experiences and you have the ability to have ownership over these uh, flat. For example, last year, Top Shot flew out of a group of fans to Phoenix for a five, game five, of the NBA finals. That's the kind of community thing you want to be a part of as well. Tell me when last time a baseball card did that for you. It just doesn't happen. If you sign up for Top Shot today, the best way to start is to get yourself a starter pack. Super easy. You get in there, you open them up just like a trading card pack and you're going to get those moments for yourself. You can pull a moment, maybe a superstar, maybe you grab a LeBron or a KD right out of the bat, and you can just get those for $9. Head on over to LockedOn.com. 
nbatopshot.com. Let me give that to you again to make sure you get it. Lockedon.nbatopshot.com to start building your collection today. Oh, and friends, we got to tell you about that great new app called Truebill. That's because it helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Turns out my girlfriend and I have been paying for the same exact TV subscription service for the last six months. That's why, on average, people can save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make it super difficult to go ahead and get those subscriptions canceled for you. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You link your accounts. Truebill will cancel your own one on subscriptions in one tap and... And their fancy term coming for you, Truebill Concierge, will even negotiate a better rate on the apps that you want to keep. Truebill has over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams anymore. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. So, as we turn our attention to the games that are going on currently here, we were going to start with, because we're doing this on uh, what is Monday night, games are wrapping up, the Cleveland game wrapped, but right inside of this moment, down to the wire here on what's the most critical one for the Brooklyn Nets, Charlotte playing against Denver 112-109. We'll let that go official here and just let everybody know, Doug, that we talk about the movement in the East, Cleveland did go ahead and get a 107-101 victory over Orlando. Yeah, but I'll, let me throw from, a note in that one, though. They did win that game, ahead. which kind of stinks for the Nets, but they did lose Evan Mobley. Look, we never cheer for injuries. Injuries are the worst things um, that can happen in sports. Uh, so I'm never, we're never, you never want to be, never be the group of fans that like roots for another team's injury. Bad, I want to be the team at full health. I always want the battle at full bad health. Bad juju. Right? Uh, like very, and just yes. very bad juju in the old, uh, you know, using analytical terms. Uh, that is not what you want to land on. <laughs> what you want to land on. <laughs> your side no the uh no but Evan Mobley did get hurt it's unclear what his timeline is going to be but he went down early and did not return with an ankle injury they are already without Jared Allen like they've been really brutalized with injuries uh it's probably a really uphill climb to think that they drop this many games because after this one they're still the Nets are still uh, three games back um from the from the Cavs but just I'm just throwing it in there as a note because when we get down to the end of the season these key players uh, are as important as ever, especially a guy like Mobley, who was essentially playing upwards of 39-ish minutes a game with Jared Allen out because they've really needed his size. So just throwing it in there, they did win, um, but something to just keep an eye out for. And if we're going to put this into the spectrum, you mentioned they're three games up. They're sitting there in the seventh seed as we'll wait for the Charlotte score to go final, which is probably coming up in a second here. We might as well tell you the one score we're not going to get to the end of is going to be that Toronto game. And the reason why we can mention it is because if Toronto loses, which they are on the downside of it right now against Boston's B squad, that could start to flip. We could see some movement there, right, at the sixth, the seventh seed, which reintroduces the issue that the Nets don't want to have going on the road at any point to do the play-in games in Toronto, the one location that Kyrie Irving wouldn't be available to yeah, play. Yeah, this is another weird one because, so, like, you're kind of rooting for Boston because you want the Raptors <laughs> to drop, but at the same time, you don't want to have to go play Toronto. Uh, by the way, Boston just doing this with their total B squad, Tatum, Brown, Horford, yep. and Williams. Also, well, Williams is hurt, but the other three just sat out this game, and, like, the, the Derek White and Marcus Smart show is, was is, as of right now hanging in with the Raptors. I, it's just uh, I think Denver's going to win this game, but the um, it's just funny that we're just again. I'll never be not surprised that here on March 28th, <laughs> like this is the conversation. I'm happy to do it because like this is almost feels like playoff basketball time for me. Um, I wish it was not feeling like that for the Nets. I, I wish they were in tune-up mode for a championship run because like that is the better feeling around this. Um, you know, at times when you can get like this late in the season, you're playing out the string. 
and just kind of like getting yourself set, getting yourself healthy. You're not yep. going to run too many minutes. Like this is where you sort of hope to be uh, at this point of the season if you're on the champion traje- championship trajectory. With this, with a, you know six games left in the schedule now, like the the part where we're sweating out what the Toronto's and Charlotte's and you know other teams, you know Cleveland to some degree, uh, Atlanta's what they do in it every single night does actually have this little sort of playoff feel to it. Um, and I yeah. think like because I think some of these games for Nets fans, I wouldn't call it appointment viewing, but you can like know what you actively want to happen here. I think like that. And that does feel sort of like a playoff atmosphere. So I don't love being in this case, but if you are a fan of sports and you're a fan of the Nets, like on an every night basis from now on, like we are going to have something to tune into again. It's Monday night. The Nets are not playing and we're as locked into some of these games as, as any net game we've been in this season. No, 100%. And the Charlotte-Denver game goes final, 113-109. So Charlotte now, again, this is why this is why Vegas gets it, man. It's why Bet Online gets it. Because the Nets didn't have to do anything. And they're going to jump themselves back into the AC tonight <laughs> because Charlotte's going to fall a half game behind them. And then we'll see what happens, obviously, uh, with the Hawks game in the 10th spot. So the Nets are going to push themselves up to the 7th seed just by sitting still. That's cool. And also, though, to your point now, still be sweating what's happening in behind them and ahead of them. I, I have a very weird, like, philosophical que- philosophical question kind of about where they are in the standings right now in this moment versus what could happen. Oh, and the, the Atlanta game went final, too. So they won 132-123 over the Pacers. So I, is, this the, is this still... That's the that's that's the best scenario is Charlotte just is Charlotte yeah. losing and the Nets getting back up to seven right I mean that was the number one thing you wanted to check tonight while the Nets aren't playing so you at least get that and you would wish again like you say arguing against yourself you'd really wish Toronto could get this win now and get some distance between them and Cleveland in the sixth well I, just, I mean again and not to like the ifs and buts were candy and nuts we'd all have a merry Christmas <laughs> but like yeah. just it just does reinforce of what a disaster loss that Hornets game was on Sunday and I know you talked about it uh, well I know you talked about it on the thing on the podcast yesterday and I guess we can relitigate some of it but it really like you never want to call games must wins because I do think Think in the old to borrow from Michael K. The adage like that you know that's a silly term. You know nothing is a must win. I, like yeah, that's mostly correct. And that one of all the ones that you really probably needed to pull off to give yourself like extra breathing room and at home and all the narrative piece that went on into that game, losing that one against the Hornets like really stings. Like it just it's just such a stinger to just all the things that went into that game to not walk away with the W. It just really sucks. That's very clever, right? You uh, sting Hornet. I get Ooh, it. You're, you're, didn't you're even good. mean yeah. to. No, I know. No, I knew. I knew you. Man. I mean, oh, never mind. <laughs> the point is, though, uh, because and it's funny too. Not even to over to over uh, to rehash that game, but on YouTube when, when I was breaking that down and saying, I think I kept referring to you as critical. Sometimes you end up saying must win, but saying critical, and some people were pushing back a little bit, which I understood, saying like, "Ah, hey, listen, they're still going to be okay." And then the game like this happens tonight. Charlotte loses. You get right back into the seventh seed, and it's kind of like that game never really happened. But from a momentum standpoint, to your point, getting Kyrie back for home games and looking at the landscape of the East, like I just think every game is critical slash cl- as close to must-win territory just from a figuring it out and feeling like you're firing on all cylinders. And when you lose a game like that at home against Charlotte, that feels like, huh, we should not have had that be the case, right? That always ends up being where I land on depending on the matchup, whereas the night before, 
if you lost the game to Miami, well, we know what Miami's capable of. So it's it's that weird thing of making statement wins and then having some level of letdown that I think can be a little bit frustrating, at least from my perspective, as you said at the top of this segment, very much in playoff kind of mentality now where a loss feels like inexcusable. Could not possibly afford to have that be the case. And it's, and it's a little too much of me probably being prisoner of the moment uh, in in terms of, yep. look, yes, it's it's all just kind of one game and there's always ways for these things to, these things to shake out. Um there's always ways for these things to sort of shake out on, on the more positive side because it's not the last game of the season and there's still opportunities for other things to go right. I do have a big complaint about the game yesterday, though. I, I want to get to this one because this yeah, is one thing I was I was on a plane when it first ended. I knew you were gonna um, I knew you were gonna watch it, but I did. You know, in the moment, I almost was like I was like I'm gonna call Adam for this plane and just like have him, and just do five <laughs> minutes on this problem that I had. I'd, so we'll get to that in a second. Of course we will, but first we'll tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. Oh, you know about them. You're over there at your local auto parts store. You say you need the flangey. That's that little knob between the doodad and the zingwigger. I know about vehicles. The guy walks back in, knocks off some dust from a box, brings it out to you. You pay an extremely high price, and you don't even know if it's the correct part. Why spend 30 50 or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you can go over to rockauto.com, use their incredibly easy-to-use drop-down menu, find your make and model year of your car the right car part guaranteed and at a great price i of course had to replace my headlight lamps on my honda insight the other day right over boom 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 and i checked compared to my local auto parts store it was like 40 percent more if i drove 20 minutes over probably to have somebody give me the part that I didn't actually need. You go over to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So as we continue to uh, round out this conversation, I want to ask you the philosophical one about the standings in the East here, but it's good because you and I did touch base before we started I ended up kind of talking about offensively some things that you could have done differently, the zone that Charlotte threw at them, the three-point shooting, the lack of defensive rotations um, for the Brooklyn Nets, but I didn't get back around to, because it felt like a lot of negative meat on that on that proverbial bone, uh, to Drummond and Claxton and their usage late in that yeah, game. Yeah, I just don't have any idea why Cla- why Drummond was closing this game. Like, it... I turned it on originally with a six minute mark. Like I, I went back and watched everything, so don't no worries there. I get that Drummond was having like a very good statistical game. I get that he was sort of like doing the imposing of his will on the interior. They have more of a traditional center in in, in uh, Mason Plumley, so you can play him for longer minutes. I, I get all that, but near the end of the game, when the game is basically on the line and they are picking out matchups, sort of over and over and over again in terms of like what they want to get. I mean, Drummond got cooked like three times, and they and they, mm-hmm. and they were able to get to the rim multiple times with Bridges with Mello. Like they were like, yes, I, like it was so easy to see that it was coming, and because of course, like what you want to do, get these guys, get Drummond to a one on one matchup at the top of the key, and just absolutely blow by him because that, yep. that and like it's not even his fault really. Like he's just he's not capable of 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 lasting in that switch for long times when you have a guy on the bench who is like made to do that in Nick Laxton. <laughs> like that is like what his core functionality is. And it's not even like you lose a ton to Mason Plumley, who was still in the game for that stretch um near the end. I mean probably just mostly to deal with Drummond on the other end, but it wasn't like it was winning you tons of stuff. I just don't really understand it. I don't understand why after the first or second or third time that this is happening, 
why he's like still in the game. Is it is it it's a slight nitpick. Look, Kyrie doesn't go like two for seventeen to start the game. We're probably not even talking about it. I totally get it. But in the end there, when it's very obvious that like this is what they want to do against you offensively, and Drummond just simply cannot hold the line, it's it, you have to get you have to get him out of there. Like I just don't in the moment I was like screaming this, like this is it's insane that he's still in the game, like borderline close. He he lasted to the last minute when they basically just needed to come out. Like for him to play that whole eight minute stretch, I I was it, it I it was just it was bad to me. This is so for me. This was the interesting part. I think it ties into the philosophical question heading down the stretch. Now, Lamarcus Aldridge was available for that game. He doesn't play. We said I said this on the last episode. A lot of times, just because the Brooklyn Nets players are listed as available, doesn't mean they're actually ready to be on the court for them. But what is the best version of this lineup? Now, understanding what what Drummond brings for certain phases of the game, certain facets of the game, what Aldridge brings specifically on the offensive end and the mid range shooting. But I, I just. How are Nash and the Nets coaching staff going to navigate that position and figuring out the right combination here or figuring out the workload? Because there's a world normally when you're a championship caliber team and you have those odds to to win the championship, you're not talking about, so do we want to use all three of these players every single game throughout the playoffs? Because I can paint you scenarios where if you choose not to, there's versions of it where Kyrie's having a better shooting night and it really doesn't matter if Drummond's a bit of a detriment defensively on certain assignments and switches. Okay, fine. But I can paint scenarios when you're in tight playoff games that you want to run Claxton out there for a five-minute burst to help on the defensive end, that you're going to need LaMarcus Aldrich to hit a couple of mid-range shots, and you're obviously going to need the size and the strength on the interior for Drummond. Can you see a world where that ends up being the case? Because I, I, I keep, I don't know if I'm trying to convince myself of it, where I'm like, you probably need to use all three of these guys throughout the playoffs because otherwise you're going to have conversations like these in post games. I mean, it's so easy to me. In a game where you just need hardcore defensive stops against like a long rangey wing, like wing ready team, like is there any world where you want Andre Drummond on the court? I, I just don't but, you exactly. know, like yeah. like and then and and then to extrapolate that out, if, if these games are playoff games and you are not facing because these are these are all every game from now on for the Nets is a playoff game. Like that yeah. is that's 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 uh, that's not a hyperbole. I'm not overstating it. Like they have to win these games, like to make the playoffs. So every game needs to be treated like every every game needs to be treated like a playoff intensity game. Is there a world outside of what you're facing, Joel Embiid and maybe maybe Jokic, that you want Andre Drummond on the court to close games? No. Like there's yeah. like there's just not it's just not it's just not the best version of a good closing lineup that gives you good flexibility enough on the defensive end to be able to switch into and to not get overrun into switches and to like you know last just enough on the offensive glass and be able to just handle some of the other team's best defenders especially around um the perimeter like I just don't that to me seems like a very easy I, that to me seems like a very easy answer like and I and like I said we do not and never did picture Andre Drummond closing playoff games no. for them. He was a he's a stopgap, he's an innings eater, he's done a great job. I've loved every single moment of it basically for the because I just kind of knew what we were getting and he's mostly given that. But in situations like this that are very very high leverage, the other team wants him to be out there. Like and yep. that, and, and in that scenario, you have to remove him. And I it was just it seems so plain as day in the game, especially when they're just down. Like you're just you're down. Like you need to come back. Like what world is he helping you with that? And by the way, and this this extends to, and we can maybe we'll we'll come back to this on the next off day for the Brooklyn Nets and talk about it because Lamarcus Aldridge is gearing up to return, and yet he is no more effective of a defensive stopper in those switching scenarios than Andre Drummond is, right? So I don't know 
painting that picture and saying you don't want Drummond closing games, you don't want LaMarcus Aldridge closing the games, which is why the, the push that we've seen from Nicholas Claxton has been impressive and why I think now every time over the remainder of the season we're going to look and say, if you don't have him out there, you're going to be hard-pressed to find me a time when it makes more sense to go with anybody else, let alone some of the offensive things that he's been doing, transition, the pace of play that he brings to the court it, here. I think it's... It, can know, I just throw in one more thing, too? It's, and it's another thing, too, where... Okay, look, you want to, like, say Kessler ever should get more minutes. I saw some people saying that. I, I don't know. I can see that both ways. Like, he's given... He's taken as much as he's given. You know, like, it's just... But Claxton... The other weird thing about it here is that, Cla- I mean, I guess it was foul trouble early. Like, he had some foul trouble, so I guess that kind of buzzes off his minutes. But at that point, he still has four fouls. You can just have him play that. You can have him play the game. Use and, the less two fouls. Foul and, out. <laughs> and we're and we're coming off what I believe is one of his best stretches of the entire season. Like, the, yeah. he's played so well of late for the Nets. Like, kind of just done everything they needed. Gotten better with the ball in his hands. Been better finishing around the rim. Been more confident in his reads. The defense has, has never really sagged off at any time this season. Has really just, got, I mean, been excellent. So it's not even like we're, it's not even like he's been this mystery. Like, you know, last year when he was buried, right? And we're like, okay, well, we're not sure what we're going to get. But it's not even a mystery now. Like, they, right. he's been, he's he's coming off arguably one of his strongest stretches. Did he have some rough, rough patches in this game? Sure, but he, you still need to go back to it. Like, you still cannot abandon it. And maybe I'm harping too long on just, like, one move or whatever. And I, I for those that listen to the podcast know, and Adam and I, I think we're both very good at this. We don't, like, we don't retroactively change our mind based on results often, right? Like, no. it's like, it's like if I felt it strongly in the moment, I will just admit it. And if it was wrong, it was wrong, but I felt it strongly in the moment. Like, it will, it will never going to be like, I'm very rarely going to be results based. I, you know, I want to believe that we're very honest with this. That's, this is the other reason I'm kind of getting more passionate yeah. about it is because it was just something I was thinking <laughs> in the moment and it just worked out, like I said, exactly like how I thought it would. Listen, a handful of episodes ago, I, I was critical about Kevin Durant and, his, and some lackadaisical passing. The game against Charlotte, I was critical against Kyrie Irving for not attacking downhill more when his shot wasn't falling for him. And also critical of Steve Nash of maybe not, at least in that game, using a little more Kessler Edwards, thinking about using a Cam Thomas, wondering why Claxton is not in there in the closing sequences. So we'll see how it plays out. There's a handful of more games to flesh this out, but I thought and I expect to see a little bit more refinement around expectations. So there'll be off days to discuss this a little bit deeper. Just to tie a bow on it here, when we look around the Eastern Conference, uh, obviously with the win by Atlanta, with the win by Cleveland, uh, Charlotte going down there, we now officially I'm watching Toronto. I'm watching Toronto and Boston <laughs> off to the side here. Like Toronto, <laughs> they, yeah, they just hit a big... Uh, we're not going to get to the end of it. It's okay. I, I, it, Boston's winning by two. There's about 30 seconds left, so we're not going to get to the end of this one uh, before oh, we stop recording. Whatever, no. Now let me read what I... <laughs> I see, but Atlanta is in the 10th spot now. They're still just a game back of Brooklyn. Charlotte's in the 9th spot, a half game back. Cleveland is three games ahead of Brooklyn for the 7th seed, and then as it stands right now, hanging in the balance there, three and a half games are Toronto up in the five seat. And I guess, you know what, man, actually, and I'm not even doing this to extend it, but it is noteworthy that if you're pulling for Toronto to win, there's still the world where they can catch Chicago, who right now is only a game ahead of them in the standing. So and losing to the Knicks of- and losing to the Knicks as we speak. So yeah, but- <laughs> if we can get that to pull out now, all of a sudden, at least from the standpoint of, oh, the worst case of, ter- of some team ending up in the seventh seed and the Nets have to, okay, we'll take Chicago, like Chicago, fine, a game where we can go on the road and still be able to use Kyrie Irving. So that version is still in play there. Keith McPherson and I strong as we, we tried to ride out for that. I, the, the, the post game I would have done after Miami 
when the Nets won that would have been like, you know, Doug and I have battered around what's going to happen here down the stretch, and I'm feeling pretty good about them surging. <laughs> Unfortunately, they had to play Charlotte. I was like, a little more in Doug's favor, but we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's a All moment right. to moment, man. We're living moment to moment. Get us out of here. This one, this one went to commercial, so we're not going to get there. Okay. Uh, we will be back in t- tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you subscribe over to Locked On Nets YouTube. Uh, we're getting climbing toward 2,000 subscribers over there. Much appreciated, everyone that's jumped in over there. So make sure I'll put the link in the show notes. Make sure you like and subscribe. Every single episode will go up on Locked On Nets YouTube. And, of course, guys, this is about the grind, the hustle, and making your way towards the playoffs. Why? Because I'm not out there sweating for three hours every day just to find out what it feels like to sweat. Michael Jordan. Ooh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow after the game talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.